And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 52, our magical one-year anniversary of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, November 10th, 2014. Well, here we are, one year later, 51 episodes in the can and feeling good. So what do we know one year later? Well, it's been a bumpy ride, some highs and some lows. We know that Mark Zuckerberg wears the same shirt every day. We know John Oliver hates native advertising. We know that Joe Polizzi looks great superimposed into Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball video. We know that inbound and content marketing are different. We know Facebook is nothing more than an online magazine now. We know the wine in Sydney is really, really tasty. We know if you were betting on the over-under of our predictions in Episode 6, you should have taken the under. And finally, we know that ever since Episode 1, almost exactly one year ago today, this has been one heck of a ride with you guys. Thank you for your reviews, your subscription, your ears, and we hope this is just the beginning. And speaking of beginnings, it's time to get this anniversary show underway by introducing my colleague, my co-host, my good, good friend coming from, well, a few floors beneath me here in New York City, the always stylish, always elegant master of ceremonies of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It has been a wonderful ride, my friend. Thank you for sharing it with me. i it's hard to believe. It really is. It's truly hard to made believe. It. it is. It's. It's. Well, it's wonderful. I mean, I. I am. I am shocked. We have not missed one week. Uh, that given our schedules, I am completely shocked that we have yet to miss a week. I think it was the one when we landed in Singapore that we were like, "When are we going to do this?" And we did it like super early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the first time we've ever done a morning one, because I think we, we just couldn't do it do it the night before. Yeah, but, but yeah, I it's, mean, it's been there's been times when you've been in Europe, and I, you know, it's been late at night, and there's been times when I've been in Europe. It's 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 been crazy. But you know, the consistency too, because most of the time we have uh, recorded this on Monday nights and it's been sometimes Sunday, sometimes Tuesday, but right. every time we've, we've gotten it out. And that's the consistent, right? It's consistency. That's why we have listeners. That's how good we are, man. That's how <laughs> good we are. Hey, uh, quick congratulations about your, your Cowboys. Oh, and and of course, the Browns. Uh, I Holy watched smokes, the, the, Browns the Browns game and the Browns game. Yeah. The Browns game. It's so, uh, I think that you guys are seven and three and we're six and three. Yeah. And when has that ever happened? It's been a long time. It's been a long time for both of us, for sure. So, you know, I'll take it. And and an extra love out to our creative director, Joe Kalinowski. And I know he's really upset that his Steelers lost, but it's good for the Browns. Oh, it's good for the Browns. We're going to take it. Now, the one thing I do want to say, because I know uh, we have this $100 iTunes gift card that we're going to give away because we got some awesome reviews. So thanks for that. But when do you want to when do you want to give it out? When I think we, we do it? well. I think we should do it sometime during the sometime show. Sometime during the show. That's so right. we're not gonna give it away. Absolutely. So you you got to stay tuned. <laughs> You're gonna have to stay tuned to our one year anniversary show. Damn it. Absolutely. So looking forward to our you know putting fifty two in the can. And I guess you know our first episode we said we would commit to fifty two. That's right. So should we commit to? What are we going to commit to now? I think do we, we just can commit to keep going I, until we either of us go insane or yeah, get hit by a truck. Like what are we going to stop do? listening? I think one of the two, right? <laughs> I guess we'll keep going. Mm-hmm. So as long as you keep listening, we we'll will keep, keep doing the sold marketing. That is correct. That's all right. Well, speaking of which, in episode six uh, of the, our first year here, which was toward the end of uh, 2013. We made some predictions, and we thought it might be fun for our first story of the day to revisit some of those predictions that we made almost exactly a year ago. Um, toward, it was actually toward the beginning of December, really. So, um, and maybe we can just go few, through a few of these and see. Let's how, do that. Yeah. So, see how they how they came up. Well, let's start with me. Um, I did horribly, <laughs> actually. So let's. Uh, there was, uh, you know, let's I, just put it right let's out just there. Put it, right you, out there. it was well. So bad. first of all, there was one. So I made one. No, you were you. You got. Look, I mean, let's be fair. You got one of these right. So let's. But let's go through them and we'll t- we'll talk them. Through. Sure. Well, the first one was 2014 will be the first year that enterprises develop formal organizational structure. This is a this is kind of a BS prediction, but it's um, it's one of those you know 
basically the enterprises would develop formal organizational structures around content marketing. And I, I would give myself a C on that. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, maybe a pass grade on this. I think it's starting to happen, but certainly didn't happen to the extent that I thought it would this but year. But I think that it is, it is starting. I mean, with the number of advisory gigs that you've done where you've got large enterprises that are really trying to create the center of excellence. I think the interest is there. I don't think it's happened nearly as quickly no, as I thought it I might. think that what, what we're finding is that they're running into culture. Exactly. That is exactly And it's hitting right. them in the face and knocking them over. And they're like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not so much. Maybe we're not ready. That's right. This. That's exactly right. Well, the next one was, this is the one I think you're thinking of when I, the one that I got right. Yes. Native advertising will explode. The idea of placing content within the context of other publishers site will skyrocket. So it has, yes, yeah. it has exploded. Think, it landed all over yeah. everything. <laughs> right. Uh, I think yeah. that, you know, I, I don't know where the data point is from. I think it's from the IAB, but the one that I saw was 75% of media companies now have some kind of native advertising offering, yeah. which just blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. So you did good. That, yeah. I would give yourself an A minus at least. Yeah. On that okay. One. I mean, All it was right. an easy one. Yeah. But I, yeah, well, that, well, I think it was an easy one. The one and the the, the last one that I'll, I'll just speak to really quickly here is that the. Uh, I had predicted that agencies of all kind will truly start to deliver content marketing to clients as a real approach. I think that one's a fail with a capital F hashtag. Do fail. you really? I do. Really? I, you know, I, it has astounded me how many agencies uh, have not really adopted this as a practice yet. I, you know, I, I have, you know, I mean, I think, look, we have talked about on this show a few times the number of agencies that have started to be acquired. We've talked about the Story Worldwide deal. We talked about a number of things. But uh, relating to agencies, but I still think agencies are struggling with delivering content marketing strategy because I think they're just really, you know, I mean, aside from a few agencies that really get it, this is not it, this is not expanding like I thought it would. Well, let's be honest too, and this is not to the fault of a lot of the agencies that we know. They're not being asked to do strategy. They're being asked Fair to enough. execution Fair enough. based on a corporate strategy that is probably flawed in the first place. And to be honest, I don't know an agency that, for the most part, that would turn down really good execution business, even though they may not have been involved in the strategy. Fair enough. They'll take it. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. But I would say that if I was an agency guy, uh, which I was for many, many years, I would push back on all those clients and say, you know, I'm not going to do your execution until – we can do your strategy because it's just you, you get into that execution game and you are just that is a game that you are destined to lose at some point. You know, you might as well just put on the clock timer and wait for that client to get frustrated with the lack of effectiveness of your execution with no strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, but your last prediction, I real I think we should talk about it just for a second because you said that Google would buy Yahoo. Yeah, well, right? yeah, that was the one I was hoping you would forget. <laughs> and well, he, but here's the interesting thing, and this just came out this week because Yahoo had their uh, their earnings numbers come out. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. Their revenues were up one percent, but they're delivering twenty four percent more advertising inventory. That does not surprise me. That's, think about that. I, I think that's the. That's got to be the – well, That I think it's one that's the acquisition of Tumblr. Yeah, it's got to be, don't you think? I don't know why. I have to look at it. I, don't I know, just yeah, saw I'm the big guessing. headline that's, as I was scrolling through. I'm like, whoa. That that's a lot of opportunity. Um, I, I mean that means they're – well, that means they're selling ad inventory for a lot less and there's also a lot more interruption in their content flow. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it doesn't seem like a good model. No, anymore, I think – yeah, I, well, I just think, you know, I mean – and there's rumors of the Yahoo AOL sort of thing going. At, you know, I think that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Well, when you when we do predictions again, because I know we'll do our 2015 sure. predictions in about six weeks or so, and you should have that prediction again. I still think that there might be something there. I think I well, we'll see. Uh, you know, maybe I it's might, Facebook. Yeah. Maybe it's not Google. Maybe it's Facebook. But no, not Facebook. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get to yours. Let's get to your prediction. Oh, how wrong was I? <laughs> I was I was more wrong than you. Uh, so the first one that I had was that at least three Fortune 500 companies will hire a chief content officer. Now, I can't find any that <laughs> I looked. <laughs> 
And well, I to, now here it. to be fair, I will tell you that I've we've worked with at least at least three that have hired people to do that function. They just haven't called it that. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. Of, actually, the title that that we see a lot of is VP of Content. That's right. That's right. Is a t- and actually, I think that's Joe Chernoff's title at HubSpot. So he was brought in, and that he was given that title, which is. But I mean, they're not a Fortune 500 company, but. Uh, we are seeing it now. We, we're seeing chief content officers a title a lot in media companies. Yes, that's like the new chief editor title is now a chief content officer, which is which is interesting. That's exactly but, right. And I think I think you know what I think it is. I, I think it's the C-suite sort of implications of having somebody with the title chief in front of their name. Yeah, I can't do it because yeah, the chief tough. marketing officer doesn't like it. Right. Oh well, don't get me it's off like, on a rant on that. Let's <laughs> we'll talk about CMOs. It's not. So I have to. I will give myself a D, a, a, D, a D minus on that. I'm not okay. going to give myself an F. All right. Because I think that VP of content role is is starting to happen, but they're not. I don't know if it's going to be chief content. I think chief content officer is an aspirational title. It may be. And just you may happens be right. to be the name of our magazine, which we will keep and love and hug. <laughs> um, my second one was in 2014, more brands will see content marketing success by focusing on fewer channels. A less is more strategy. I think you got this one right. I think we're starting to well, see I, Well, the research would say you got it wrong. Yeah, the research would say you got it wrong. The research that we just – yeah, the, the, the annual research, the benchmarking research will say – that it has stayed about the same. It right. has not gone to a lesser strategy. But you know, the, we just covered the whole, you know, copy blogger shutting down their Facebook page, and I think that that's we're starting to see that. And actually, we're starting to see that in the workshops we've been doing, where we're getting yeah. questions on it, and we're saying, you know, it's okay not to be in every channel. It's okay to focus on something you can be great right. at. So I, I would like that's to do right. this one again in 2015, but I don't want to, you know be repetitive or anything but i would say let's let's give myself a c solid c on that one okay all right but i i yeah i don't think we're quite there but i think we're feeling it we're starting to 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 feel the tremors of that one happening (laughs) um the last one is i think it's similar to the other one email will come become the channel of choice in 2014 brands will be focusing less on fans and followers and will instead put resources behind building content <laughs> subscription programs through email. I wish this one was true. <laughs> I keep wishing. This is a big fat F. Yeah. You know, because almost everything, when we're, ta- we're working with some of these big companies, they are not even thinking about subscription. And even no. in the research, it says that only, I think it's only three out of ten companies are even have one or are considering some kind of a subscription yeah. program. And that just That's right. that just makes me sad, actually. Yeah. So this is a big fat. I, F. I, I well, but I think that trend will change. I really do. I just think you know. I think with a lot of these predictions, both yours and mine, I think we're 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 making the same mistake, if you want to call it that, that a lot of analysts make, which is we're you know these are changes that will happen. We're just predicting them happening too fast. We're just you know we're just they're they're just we, we assume they're going to happen a lot faster than they really want. Than they really will. I know, but man, I'm I, I don't know. What do you? Well, how do you get held back from content marketing school? I mean, I fail. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we gonna do, man? I'm gonna be at the back of the class. I'm gonna have to do it all over again. I don't know if I can stand it. Uh, but yeah, it I, just, I would totally agree. It just it's means just slow. It's like a yeah. turtle's, but especially with enterprises, it just goes yeah. at a turtle's pace. And we'll see. I think all those things are going to happen in one way, shape, or form. But at this point, maybe it's 2020. Like I mean, and you talk about this in your workshop. We really are closer to 2020 than we are from the first fake Facebook page, the first tweet that you could have possibly made. Uh, but it just still seems like things are going not as fast as they should. Well, that's, yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, we're, you know, and the point and what you're talking about is is a part of the the workshop presentation where I talk about how close we are actually to 2020. And the sort of overriding point there is, you know, we're 15 years now into this whole web digital internet thing, and not a lot has really changed in the marketing department. And that's the thing, right? So we can be, you know, I, I think... The answer to your question is we need to continue to press because regardless of whether our little predictions come true or not, the marketing department has to change and content has to be at the center of it. Amen, brother. 
We'll just see. It's just certainly not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. But we'll just keep doing our thing. I think. Yeah. Like, right? Obviously, obviously, <laughs> we're making inroads and we're fighting the good fight, and and it's happening yeah, more and more. Clearly. But we're, but uh, but yeah, we're 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 ma- we're getting there. We're getting there slowly but surely. Absolutely. We'll get there. All right. Well, shall we to the news then for this week? Let's then. Do that. So, getting us off of our fail, our hashtag fail predictions here. So, the first news item is a really interesting one. It comes to us from. SF Weekly, San Francisco Weekly, um, and it is about native advertising, so ring the bell. And it's a fascinating one. It was sent to both of us, um, and the article really centers on the, the, this candidate who was running for BART, and for those of you not local to San Francisco or Northern California, BART is Bay Area Rapid Transit, which is basically their subway and train station. Uh, or, or, or system there, I should say. And the guy was running for the board uh, there to run the BART, you know, sort of the, the, the rapid train system there. And he basically, as the elections happened last week, and they happened nationally here last week, there was a post in this blog called The Bold Italic. And the headline of the post was, Tomorrow, late night BART could be even closer. And basically, it was an endorsement of this candidate. His name is Nick Josephowitz, or Joseph Josephowitz, Josephowitz. And in the post, it says, you know, tomorrow, November fourth, we've got a chance to change the way that you can get around the bay and get someone in office who wants to deliver late night transportation to San Franciscans. And if you ask me, it's about time for some fresh new minds to tackle these problems. I'll definitely be voting for Josephowitz in this election. And so here we go. Wow, it seems like this is a great endorsement from the bold italics blog of this candidate. And wah, 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 here it turns out to be actually native advertising. He actually paid for that post to be in there. So what say you, Joe? Is this our first sort of, na- you know, we, we've been predicting for a long time, speaking of predictions, that this native advertising is going to blow up in somebody's face. Is this, is this the first explosion? You know, it's interesting. I was reading this article on the plane over to New York trying to um, think about whether or not this was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, because if you're – by the way, I believe the SF Weekly, who basically tears up the bold italic for doing this, also offers native advertising yes, or sponsored of content solutions. So here's my idea, and I guess here's my question back to you. If you offer uh, sponsored content – in whatever form it is, can you say, well, well, this sponsored content's okay, but that one isn't. So if it's a if it's a sponsored content piece from from Shell talking about how oil isn't that bad or something like that, is that any different than what this is? I, I'm asking You're, you the question. Well, uh, just so so my answer to that, which I, I guess you kind of know how I'm going to answer that, is is. You know, we've talked about it many times. I think the answer is as a publisher, you have to care. You have to. But as a marketer, I don't. Right. So this is a, this is this to me is exactly the 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 strategy that I had put forth in as many shows as we've done on this, where I'm, I'm like, as a marketer, I'm going to take advantage of this all day long. Why? Yeah, you're exactly right. Why don't why? Why is this the only one we're reading about? Right. There should have been hundreds of these. Right. That's exactly right. Did, I'm, I'm actually wondering if a lot of uh, a lot of the media sites out there turned them down and this one didn't. Yeah, well, that's a good question. That's a really good question. You know, and I mean, as, look, if I'm if I'm Joseph Witz, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. I don't know that's if right. I, I think that's right. You I'm got just it. Just throwing it out there. You know, here's the thing. It's like if I uh, if I'm that guy and I try and do a native ad placement, of course I'm going to do this, I, you know, and they're going to let me do it. I'm going to write whatever I try. I'm going to, I'm going to push that boundary as far as I can. And if they let me do it, then great. You know, they've since come back. There's another part of the article that talks about how they've come back now and sort of made updates and made it a little clearer that it's a post, you know, it's a paid for post and all that kind of stuff. But goodness gracious, if that if they're going to let me do it as a marketer, of course I'm going to do it. I think that the one thing that I was curious about is they interviewed the journalist that wrote the article. So the journalist got paid. That's right. For writing the article, as the journalist should, or the freelance writer. I don't know if, I don't know if the person was a journalist. Let's just say uh, the endorsement writer. That's right. Um, first name was Jules. And Jules talked about how, oh, I read up on it and I like this guy. See, 
the, that whole thing was wrong. Basically, all Jules needed to say was, I got paid to write an article with this slant. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I was paid to do. I got paid by the company to do this. I did my job. Done. If you have any issues with uh, with the, the magazine or the media site presenting it in a certain way, that's not my issue because the media site put the little sponsored thing at the top and put warning and put it at the bottom. So if you were actually looked at the article, you would have seen it. But apparently they're saying that it got on Reddit a little bit and there were some people that didn't think it was it, – they couldn't find the sponsorship behind it. That's they right. just thought it was – yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just think that if – and this is what we talk about, right? As a media company, you you need to diversify your revenue streams so you are not beholden to sponsors that can do this because if you really need the cash, if you're running toward the money, native advertising is a really good opportunity right now. That's right. And you have to figure out, well, how much of that credibility do we want to give away to our sponsors? And in this case, it's a lot. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, they, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I think SF Weekly reading the bold italic, the riot act on, you know, the ethics of journalism is a little bit of, you know, it's a, it's a little sketchy yeah. at best, but you know that I think you're exactly right. You have to make a conscious choice about this thing and about what you're going to do because if you don't, this is this is what's going to happen. You know, marketers will take advantage of this. Now, and this is the only thing I'll throw out. And and if you look at let's look at a, a New York Times example where Chevron had sponsored content and it had you know New York Times at the top, but it was very clearly labeled that Chevron was talking about the story about energy that was produced by the New York Times. Uh, sponsored content. I forgot what the name of their sponsored right. content group is. Whatever right. that sponsored content group is, that's the same thing as this. They clearly labeled it. It is what it is, and we're going to see more and more of it. Yeah. And as as a media company, you have to make a decision. And you're right. That is exactly. I'm right. all in. If I'm a politician, I'm like, I'm looking at all these sites. I'm like, how much native advertising can we buy? Yeah. Let's buy it all. Let's buy the lot. Wait till <laughs> I, I, I I I here here's a prediction for you. Wait till we get to the next year. You know, when we get to the election in 2016, the general election, when there is, I mean, I think it's going to be chock a block full of native advertising. Well, you know, it's so let's let's do let's do a prediction right here. So I totally agree with you. From now until that election time, you're going to see politicians eat this up, and then I think what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start seeing a lot of very large media brands say we're not offering this anymore. Yeah. You're gonna have. They're gonna have to. So you're gonna say, "Look, we, we can find other revenue sources. This is not because what what's happening is is that we're we're so into like headline driven and looking at it. We might not even look at that spot. We might not know it's sponsored. That's exactly right. That's exactly so, right. Well, speaking of Faustian bargains, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the money. Here's a, this this next story just fascinated the heck out of me. Um, so this comes to us from our friends at Digiday, and the headline is Facebook offers publishers a Faustian bargain. And I love the way this article opens because it opens with this quote from Fred Wilson, who is the very outspoken tech investor um, for startups in the Silicon Valley. And in 2011, he apparently offered – I never heard this before, but apparently he offered this very, I think, interesting piece of advice where he basically said, if you're building your business on Facebook, don't do it. And he says, you know, excuse my French here. He says, be your own bitch, <laughs> which I, I love that. And basically he was saying, in other words, the successful digital business is not one that basically operates on somebody else's platform. This goes right to when we talked about don't build your house on rented land and all this kind That's of right. stuff. And he talks about all this. And it, so, but then the, what it does is it talks about this idea that Facebook is now reportedly, I don't, that they say reportedly here. I, I have this not, is no, this, I believe this is happening yeah, okay. from what I've seen. Um, they're, they're talking to publishers, many of whom are, like on Facebook, getting a significant piece of their traffic. And we actually talked about this, I think, last week or the week before, getting a large number of – when Copybloger turned off their Facebook page. And they say that they're basically bribing them to say, look, you should start publishing your stories within Facebook's mobile app. Then you'll get a cut of Facebook's mobile ad revenue. And in return, your, your stories will run live on Facebook and no longer on your own site. And so the rationale goes – 
we're going to cut through on click-throughs and time, load time for stories and all these kinds of things, quote unquote, making for a better reading experience. But now you're building your house on Facebook's lawn. That's right. <laughs> so is this a good idea? Well, you know, <laughs> I can tell you that if you're looking for short-term revenue opportunities, I would look at it. If your goal is short-term revenue opportunities, I would look at this. Facebook has a sales program in place that they can help you sell some of this stuff. Obviously, the load time, the fact that it's on that platform probably makes it easier. They don't have to click through all that stuff. So you can make the case for it. But you're not building any sort of a long-term asset because the content ultimately will belong to Facebook. They can talk about licensing all they want. It's on Facebook's platform. They can do whatever they want with it. People are going to access it on Facebook. This is the thing that cracked me up, Robert. This, so there's, this article goes on and on, and all these publishers get on, and they're talking about how this is – what's the – Anil Dash. Anil Dash is fantastic um, You know, from the media side. He says – in a tweet, if you obey Facebook here and make your mobile content live within their platform, you are dumb. D-U-M-B, all caps. Here's what's funny about this whole thing happening. The publishers have been offering this kind of stuff to their advertisers forever. Create your content, put it in my magazine. Create your content, put it on my site. It's actually, in a lot of cases, it's what you're talking about with native advertising. It's just a little bit different business model. So... Publishers are saying it's it's quite all right if we are the ones that have the platform and we create the asset and everybody can support us. But once fa- now Facebook, who is a media company, right? They're turning the tide on this thing, and I well, they're trying. Well, they're trying to right. They're basically doing what media companies have been doing forever. It's just that it's Facebook and they're so big and powerful. That's right. That's the difference. That's right. And we'll see if you know. I mean, look. It's. I don't think it's far fetched to say that the brands aren't. You know, brands are next. Well, yeah. I mean, but the. I get think of the idea that I'm trying to get to is that forever. I mean, I started in publishing in 2000, and we offered micro custom microsites on our platform for any for for any brand that would want them. And it was basically we were creating an asset on my site. They were paying for it. I mean, it's a little bit different, but it's the same. It's like, hey, create it on my platform. I have the asset, and I'll kick off some value to you in leads or in attention, top of the funnel, whatever the case is. This is the same thing. Absolutely what, right. I, I'm trying to think of – I can't see what the quote is. But somebody said uh, – where, where was it from? Oh, here it is. Okay. So Jason Kent, who is a CEO of, the, of Digital Content Next – so it's that Digital Publishing Trade Association. I think we were talking about it last time. They used to be Online Publishers Association, and they changed their name to Digital Content Next, which makes perfect sense to me. But anyways, I'll, I'll go beyond <laughs> that. Um, see, well, here's what he, he, he says. As soon as you build them up as a landing page, uh, that is, landing site, as in Facebook, you're now making them into a content company rather than a distributor. Right. And that makes them become a competitor. Jason, they're already a competitor. Exactly. They're already just because the content is curated, they're still a media site. It's it's a media business model, so they're already a competitor. And that's that's the thing that killed me about this article. It's like if you're Jason, and I I'm happy to chat with you about this if you disagree. But I mean, I would already if your if your members already don't know that Facebook is your biggest competitor, uh, I think that we've got a problem. Well, that's exactly it. Because guess where those subscribers are going, and guess where you know those those. You know, guess who's the audience is at that? Guess who owns the audience relationship at that point? And you know, the the interesting thing to me is you're seeing this happen in not just this kind of media business, but you're starting to see it now even trend this way in other like the you know, look, you're intimately more familiar with this this side of the business than I am. But what I do know is the subscription side of the business. I come from television, right? Where I was working in television for many years, and when I see HBO look at a ways to develop core subscriber relationships by going direct rather than through the cable companies. That's the, that's where this trend is moving because that's where, that's where the real power is. That's where the value is, is in owning the data, owning the relationship with the subscriber. And if mm-hmm. any, any brand that's, that's looking, any media brand that's looking to do this needs to be thinking that way. It's a, and that's why I always thought it was interesting how, 
these big media companies were making um, these content deals with Netflix and giving Netflix the power to be the, right. play, the place, basically. And, and I know the whole licensing thing and whatever, but it's the same type of a of a concept. So, yeah, anyways, I just think it's funny. Obviously, this is going to happen. I think a lot of smaller publishers could look into this from a short-term revenue game gain standpoint. I don't know if there's a loss leader aspect. Oh, well, that's a, right. It is a, that is a Faustian bargain at its heart, right? I mean, then it's like you are selling your soul at that point if that's what you do. I think so. I mean, and I, I mean, as a media company for us, I, I don't think that we would be doing this. No. So it just, you know, because at the end of the day, whatever we do on that platform is not our business anymore. It's That's Facebook's. Right. It's exactly We've just right. given them full authority to do whatever they want with it. That's exactly right. That, and why would you do that? I don't. I have no idea. But maybe. But maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. All right. Our last story of the day. Uh, comes to us, and, and this is interesting because when I first saw this, I thought it was actually a story about the story that we covered. I th- That's right, yeah. I, when, because it came out literally just after we covered this exact thing. The headline is Content Crisis, Content Marketing versus Sales Enablement. And it comes to us uh, via VentureBeat, which I thought was an interesting place too. And I, and, and I saw this in Facebook and I saw this in a couple of places and I was like, wow, this is, are they covering our story? Well, they're not. And as the writer goes on to talk about, he, he basically, and he uses some CMI research when he goes through this, he says, you know, content marketing is white hot right now. And here's a link to this research. And here's a link to this research where basically marketers are pointing it out as a huge priority, um, blah, 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 blah. And then he asks the big question. Is content marketing still worth it? And then he goes on to interview a few people who are saying, well, you know, maybe it's not. And one of the people that he interviews is Joe Chernoff, our friend Joe Chernoff, an extraordinarily smart man, and who, of course, says, yes, it is worth it, and here's why. And, and then they, he sort of probes into it and says, but is it worth it for everybody? Is it hard? And Joe's like, well, if it's, it, you know, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And it gets to this whole thing about interestingly basically because it's difficult then and people are not doing it well is it worth doing and this is kind of what we talked about uh last week but the interesting thing to me was not necessarily the article although i want to get your take on the article joe but the there was a lot of discussion in our you know our mutual friends you know sort of the inside baseball sort of uh marketing consultants group but about all of the different things that this portends, right? That, you know, and there was a big debate about this, about how content marketing really isn't worth it because so many people suck at it that it's going to be not worth doing. And I, anyway, I, what did you think of this? The, first of all, I'm sorry. So whoever ends up reading this, I, I'm, the article, by, by the way, is, is not bad. It's not a horrible article, but the take from the other side just this person doesn't know content marketing. That's exactly you can't right. scale content marketing. You can't do it. It's you can't be successful at it. And I, I'm absolutely positive that they don't know the history of content marketing or, or companies that are doing it. So, but I think that Joe's you, you brought up Joe Chernoff's quote, and I really like this because because this is the key to this whole thing. Just because it's hard to win at something doesn't mean it's a waste of time. That's right. And that was the whole thing that was the back and forth on Facebook with a lot of the friends that we know. They're saying, oh, we have all this spammy content out there and there are brands that are just creating content for content's sake. Yes. Yes. They are. Right. And they'll continue to do that. And you know what? They've done it forever. It's been going on since the dawn of time. That's exactly so, right. Just because you, you're, if you're not committed to the process, if you're not going to invest in resources properly, if you don't have the, the, the right amount of time horizon to make sure this can work, if you don't have the right integration, yeah, right. it's probably not going to work. Right. It's like, so, it's like saying basically because there's so many bad restaurants out there, we should give up on making food. That's exactly. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of examples right. on that. That's just, oh, it's just not worth it because I didn't like it, right? Or I wasn't good at it, so it's not going to work. I mean, this is is ridiculous. So, I guess that's my whole take on, on the article. Which it's an interesting article. I love Joe's take in the whole thing. I think that you're right. If you invest in it and you uh, target, uh, uh, well, here's the one thing I, I actually did disagree with Joe on. I'd love to get his take on it. He says that uh, here it is. Let's say you sell widgets 
for nuclear well, plants. It's so funny. It's the only the thing US. I disagreed to. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. You, so widgets in the, to, to, for nuclear plants in the U.S., your total addressable market is 62 companies. Content probably isn't the most direct path to success here. Completely disagree with that, Joe. I don't care. It's, if it's two. Right. I don't care if it's one. I mean, the, uh, our good friend Drew Davis has a really good example when he, he talks about one company that did an entire content marketing program to, to just one other company. Right. And that was it. I mean, so if it, if whatever your goal is, if that's what your goal is, is, is to uh, create some kind of an emotional change, a, a behavior change within one company, of course, there's lots of different ways to do it. It's not a size thing, right? That's it's right. the right – if these are the right 62, right. then great. Actually, I'd love to have now, that, be, that, now, that to, issue. To be fair to Joe, he didn't – I don't think he made the absolute there. I, I think No, 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 he didn't. Right. He said content probably isn't the right. most direct path to success here, and he, he's probably right. I mean the whole article goes on and says – uh, hey, if you can't get really good, fast, quick results from content marketing, and that's correct. That's right. That's right. That's I mean, absolutely look, we've right. Worked with companies, you know, and I worked personally with a semiconductor company that has less than a hundred customers total. You know, because there are less than a hundred companies in the entire planet that can use their chip. And they, you know, he he said, I said, how do you measure your customers? He said, well. Here, I'm going to bring you the Rolodex of all of them. <laughs> you know, he said, and he quite literally had a printed Rolodex of all of their customers. And, but they were using content very effectively. It was just in a very, very focused, very different way. You know, for them, it was about, it was about, you know, physical events and it was about deli- hand delivering thought leadership that really positioned them in a, from a loyalty perspective. And it was really, you know, to protect themselves from any disruptive uh, competitor who might think about coming up. Oh, well, I mean, you and I have been in a number of meetings and I've been in quite a few that's, I say, what's your time horizon for, uh, for the type of goals that you're setting? And they'll say three to six months. And I say, go advertise. Yeah. Go do something right. else. Don't do, don't invest in a content marketing process that you're trying to scale uh, because six, three to six months isn't going to do it. Yeah. You, you exactly just need more right. commitment than that. So that's exactly right. go, go date advertising. Yes. Well, speaking of dating advertising, we have a wonderful, wonderful sponsor to get to. And it, it is so appropriate. I think we talked about this last week that, uh, Emma is our anniversary Absolutely, sponsor. Absolutely. Yes. Emma email marketing for the modern brand featuring mobile responsive templates, social integration tools, and of course, the ever critical concierge services. Our friends at Emma are promoting a new report called Automation Demystified. And I actually love that title for some reason. Fantastic. A Modern Marketer's Guide to Email Automation. So in this report, you'll learn how to create undeniable value for your subscribers, welcome new subscribers without creating new content. That's a really good one. Yeah. And boost conversions with timely sends based on life cycle milestones. Now, you can register and get this report for free. you got to give a little information. I know, but it's worth it. Go ahead and try it, boys and girls. <laughs> uh, bit.ly.com slash PNR dash auto email. That's bit.ly.com slash PNR dash auto email. Or you can go to the show notes on Saturday and check this out. Again, it's Automation Demystified, a modern marketer's guide to email automation. Really, really good ebook i checked it out uh before the last episode really really think it's valuable for our subscribers here and i love the fact that they focus on subscribers you and i talk about it all the time so special thanks to the folks at emma for being our this old marketing sponsor thank this you week. so much to emma it's just a fantastic i mean i've had a chance to look at it it's just it's just one and i love the title too i love that i love that title. i mean because quite frankly i find so many organizations still are mystified by the whole process and that's you know a good I mean? way yes. so it's like it's i just, am mystified exactly. download this yes yeah. that's right all right ladies and gentlemen well it is time for the show that you all love so much um and our one year anniversary of this our rants and rave sections where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that's got us hot and bothered or something that's got us a little bit in love and i am going first since I'm teeing up uh, this old marketing this week, and I have a bit of a rant this week. Oh, good. I love it. So this week, I think it's a rant. We'll see if it's a rant or not, but it's it's just, it's more of a question. It's more of like the, you know, the this, this Seth and Amy's, really? Oh, really? It's, it's more like that. And so 
Do you do you know this Alex from Target meme that's going around? Have you heard about I this? I saw it on Facebook. It was everywhere on Facebook yeah, last so week. So for those of you who don't know, it's it's so last week, um, this young kid, Alex, Alex LaBeouf, a sixteen year old from Texas, and he's a very handsome young man. And basically what happened was last week uh, a woman uh, named Abby posted the photograph, some random photograph she snapped of our friend Alex here while he was working in Target, unbeknownst to him even. And she posted it on Instagram and Twitter, and apparently it started to go a little viral. And it started to spread and started to spread as only things among teenage girls can do. And basically... He went from 144 Twitter followers to more than half a million. He became a huge phenomenon. He got basically he was flown to Los Angeles for an appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and it was a huge viral sort of thing. Cut to a week later, this company called Breaker starts to take credit for creating this meme, and everybody freaks out. And then everybody freaks out because it's rumored that target was behind it actually and everybody freaks out again and all and and if you go back and look at the history it's quite actually really fascinating i mean we've talked a lot about journalism here how little journalism was actually practiced in this whole thing because what happens all these rumors are reported as fact target gets thrown under the bus then this breaker company comes out and it's reported as fact and then they kind of back off of it and then it gets pulled back and all of these things start to happen. And it, as it turns out, it was really viral. Now, here's my rant about all this. All of that is sort of what it was. I, I don't really have a problem with it one way or the other. The thing I have a problem with is in so many of the blog posts, the Facebook posts, the Twitter posts that I saw, that basically the headline is, where's the FCC if Target is behind this? And how dare Target get behind this and how dare they do you know the the outrage that somehow a company or target themselves might have been behind feeding the frenzy isn't that what we're supposed to do it if if this kid's picture had gone a little viral and target had fed into it and said yeah that's our which they did by the way they actually said yeah that's our employee and we're really proud of him and there you go isn't that the definition of newsjacking where we sort of, you know, are we only allowed to newsjack when it's not about us? Are we only allowed to? That's interesting. You yeah. know, is that are we not allowed to do that? Is that where it becomes somehow, you know, verboten that we can't actually feed a meme that comes out naturally and organically that's positive about our brand? Like if I'm the target social person and I see this thing happening and my social listening tools go berserk and, you know, sort of beeping and alarms going off that this thing called Alex from Target is going viral, I'm going to feed it. Now, you're going to lean into I'm going to lean into it. it and do it and feed it. And then it gets a little fuzzy. How much am I actually contributing to it versus how much is it organic and all of that. Now, if let's assume this for a moment that this breaker company had actually been working for Target and the thing actually had gone viral, but they actually helped feed into it, and they actually helped feed into it on behalf of Target. Isn't that okay? I don't, I don't, I don't get the outrage. Is I guess my point is that even if it had been manufactured, what's the chat? What's the problem? I, I don't get the, I don't get the problem with it being manufactured. It wasn't, but even if it was, yeah. what, what, what is the issue? I guess that's my that's my oh really I mean I don't I don't I don't get it. Well, I think it's at the same it's the same thing at the beginning of the show when we were talking about the SF Weekly thing. They're outraged that this would happen, and I'm like, well, it's this is they've been doing this for a long time. You do it, you just didn't like it, right? That's exactly <laughs> I mean, right. like seriously? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we're not outraged when we hurt. You know, I mean, and the the the, the outrage seemed to be like you know everything on the internet is fake. Well, no, it's not. But even if it is, why are you not outraged when you see, you know, 
you know, you do realize when the girl comes up to the window and orders soup from Siri that soup's not really going to arrive, right? You you understand that. That well, you you understand that when the when the iPad is there and you're swiping it and you're playing with GarageBand on your iPad, you understand that you're really not going to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah you're not gonna. I love how you talk about yeah. it in this workshop. You're not gonna do an entire PowerPoint presentation on your iPad Mini. You're just not. It's not gonna it's happen. Not gonna happen. <laughs> That's right. So, you know. We're not in the business of truth. We're in the business of, 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 you know, of creating magic. And yes, you need to be able – consumers can sniff it out more than ever and we need to be very careful about what we're doing here. But I, I don't – I guess I just don't get the outrage even if this had been manufactured. I think that people are just looking for a story. Yeah. You're right. Everyone was looking for a story with this. There is none. Right. It just, people exactly. thought it was cool. It started, got a hashtag. Kids started to pass it around, and Alex is a superstar. That's Who exactly knew? right. Just because he looks like Justin Bieber. There you go. Who knew? Anyways, good story. Yeah. Um, all right. So I have, it's probably a rant. All right. I'm sorry okay. to everyone. Uh-huh. I've been on. ranting a lot lately. Actually, on this show quite a bit. Um. So for those of you, and you know this, I, I did the post. We I ran it about it last week uh, when Wall Street Journal ran their post. They covered our research, which I was super psyched about. But then they, the definition that they had of content marketing was actually not of content marketing. It was of native advertising. So I did what I thought we were supposed to do. I went and made a very courteous, I thought very, very courteous professional comment on the Wall Street Journal post looking for some kind of reply didn't get a reply and and I did my you know I did my post I did and the post was called hey WSJ content marketing is not native advertising and it's gone a little bit viral I mean it's been shared thousands of times so it's pretty good oh wow getting getting lots of comments on it uh, and and what happened is I didn't put the at WSJ in the title our readership <laughs> them, were, were called out the writer and Wall Street Journal and said, <laughs> you guys are irresponsible. Because they love – Because they, they haven't corrected because they didn't correct it. Well, or, nor did they respond back to my comments. And let's be honest. Our honest wants to you – know, our audience wants to pick a fight. <laughs> they want, wow. they want, they're the first ones to – Of course they do. We've got a poke, program They're poking the that. stick and, through the cage, right? They're poking they're like, the oh, stick. Did you believe that? Yeah. They called content marketing native advertising. Yeah. It's terrible. So – I get it. Um, so I get an email the other day from Natalie, who wrote the article. And by the way, Natalie's super sweet. I talked to her on the phone. She really wanted to talk to me, and I actually was on vacation. And I said, if it's really important, I'll talk to you in the morning. I talked to her in the morning. She was really nice, and she said, "Look, if you have a problem with one of my articles, please email or call me." And you know what? Now hindsight, I almost I felt really bad about it. Right. To be yeah. honest, because I'm like, you know what, Natalie, I should have. I absolutely should have called you before I went on this rant publicly about your article. I said, but I said, I left you a comment and I left it there for seven days and nobody answered. And she said, and I'm, and I'm probably going to get another call. Natalie, I'm so sorry about this because I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of just sharing. I'm, just, I'm getting myself into trouble right now. Natalie says, they don't check the comments. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Well, whop, 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 whop. I know she says she doesn't. And I asked her, I said, well, don't you have somebody in social who gets these? And I, and I said, I know Natalie, you're super busy and, and you're out there covering a story. Sure. And here you got some hack like me is picking on one of your stories. I totally get it. You're out working the field. You're doing your thing. And you're like, now I got to deal with this Polizzi guy. Right. Cause he's doing it. It's whatever. a bitsy Polizzi's on the prowl. Yeah, exactly. And I'm coming at you. And I said, well, don't you have somebody in social that's looking at it to make sure that to let you know that there's something going on here? And she said, no, they don't do that process. This is the Wall Street Journal. Wow. So uh, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm saying this not because and I love the Wall Street Journal and we have friends there and I, I have no issues with that at all, except for this article that was done. And I guess I want this to be a learning moment. And I and I think that if somebody leaves a comment that is constructive, and I know they get a lot of comments that aren't constructive. This was a constructive yeah. comment. Well, if you're not going to th- – don't ask for comments if you're not – I mean – That's my right. point. If right. you're not going to review them, right. just close comments off. Right. And exactly. you know what I would have done? I would have had to email her. Right. 
Exactly. But I was I was under the impression, oh, I don't have to email her. I actually thought about it, Robert. I'm like, I don't have to email her or call her because I can, I can leave just a leave comment. A comment. Right? And I'm like, okay, well, fine. She, nobody cares about this thing. I'm gonna rant sure. on this article. Right. This gets the so this like, gets the prices right. You know, da 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 da. But you know what? I'm so, Natalie. I don't need to talk to you again. I know you probably want to call me after this and and yell at me for this. I, but I I don't think this is necessary. This part is not necessarily your fault. I think that you need to work with the social media team over there. Yeah. And figure out the process. Yes. Right. So. Anyways, there you well, go. there you have it. All right, <laughs> two fun rants right in a row. This has been uh, this has been a fascinating show uh, for our one year anniversary. <laughs> if, yeah, if we do, as the creators, if we do say so ourselves, this is a fantastic, a fantastic show. show. <laughs> All right, now it is time for the namesake of the actual show, which is this old marketing. And I'm happy to tee up. I'm very honored and pleased to be able to tee up this uh, this show's this old marketing, which is dun dun dun. This old marketing. Oh wow! How 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 cool and how meta, right? Humble brag. <laughs> hashtag humble brag. Um, here we are. No, but seriously, we talked about this and we wanted to make this old marketing our this old marketing example, um, namely because one, uh, you know, Joe and I have thought about content marketing for a long time, and when we thought about doing this podcast. It was truly it, look, Joe and I. I think if those of you who know us know us well enough to know that we we don't lack for things to do in our lives, and so adding yet another outlet for content is a considered purchase for both of us. And so, as we started to think about should we do a podcast, we really thought about it as integrating a function into the larger strategy of what we're doing at CMI and, and what we're doing as, as marketers. And this was a really, you know, it was a really hard decision to come to. Um, you know, not that, not that, not that we didn't want to do it and not that we don't love doing it, but you know, just the, the prioritization of time is a meaningful thing. And so a year later, 52 episodes in, I feel like this has been an incredible, just from a gut reaction, and I know you actually have, you've actually got statistical information and ROI information, but this has been a really fascinating process for me. And so, and so, you know, as, as an example of this old marketing, I think it just fits in beautifully. What, and I want to, I want to talk about some of the statistics in a second, but the one thing that I've realized as we've gotten new uh, consulting advisory uh programs in that they've contacted us the ones that come in through the podcast which there have been a number of them there's there's not much closing time they're already sold yeah they know they know us inside and out they know all the stuff we're talking about every week and they're like you know it's time i've been thinking about this working through the organization robert i want to bring in that's exactly right and not only that but there's also you know and and i'm honored and, and tickled at the offers that I get now to speak at events. The, you know, the, the you know, all of us, you, you and I both getting invitations to do workshops and uh, keynotes and, you know, appearances where we get to talk about and evangelize the practice of content marketing, which of course serves our larger, you know, so the earned, you know, if you look at an earned media perspective, Doing the podcast by itself earns its earns its keep, um, but just yeah. But then, then you start talking about real sales opportunities that we get through this. It's 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 quite astounding. Well, the, and just to throw out a couple things, so everybody knows, we look at three as our key number. We try to get subscribers involved in three different things. So let's say they're a subscriber to the the blog, they go to our webinars, they go to the workshops. And we try to figure out different ways to reach our customers uh, with this kind of information. The podcast has become one of those. And for example, content marketing world, 11% of the people that were a content marketing world in a very short period of time, because we haven't been out all that long, are listeners of the show. Right. And so that's a significant number for us. And even what's really funny, what's interesting, and that's why we love our, uh, our Australian mates so much is... Uh, about half of those people that attended Content Marketing World Sydney were listeners of the podcast. Yeah, exactly right. 
Exactly. It's right. making it's making an impact. And it's also one of the reasons why we now are launching the podcast network and multiple podcasts. Like, for example, The Pivot by Todd Wheatland, which I listened Fantastic to today, show. is amazing. Yeah. I legit, his, his episode with Jay Bear is like something it's critical for any marketer to listen to, just the history of how he got to where he got. And we're going to keep bringing that quality programming. Uh, because especially as, and we've talked about it before, Apple CarPlay, uh, the Android app that's going to be in the car uh, in the next 10 years, every car will have easy one push access, whatever that might be, hoverboards and all, uh, to get podcasts. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I think that for everyone listening to this, um, and, and really it's not a cost, there's not an investment outside of, you're right, a lot of time. So you have to make sure because it's the prep time. It's you and I read the articles time. We go through the show flow. Uh, I would imagine, you know, between the two of us, it's it's two, three hours a week to get it done. I've got an hour in post-production. So there is some time to it, but obviously it's it's well worth it. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. And just a, fan, a fantastic and, example. And before we go, we got to give out our awards, so our, uh, did, our iTunes. So I hope you all waited for this fantastic <laughs> moment where we're going to give away to some random person, not a winner, but just a random person. Just a random person. We're just doing this because we fun. wanted to be randomly random, random about it. Completely so first of all, random. and basically for those of you that don't know, we just asked everyone if they wanted to uh, give us a review. Uh, we were going to do a random of those people that gave us a review for the last week. Uh, we were going to do uh, and choose somebody to get a $100 iTunes gift card. And the winner is our good friend, and this is, by the way, picked at random using a random name generator. There was no shenanigans involved here. There's no shenanigans <laughs> at all. <laughs> and uh, and I want. I thought, Robert, maybe we should just read it. There, I love so that. The winner, I love that. The winner is, is Nason Media, N-A-S-O-N, Nason Media. I don't think media is Nason's last name. But <laughs> Nason, if you would email us at thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com, and we will deliver the $100 iTunes gift card to you. And let me read what Nason wrote. Uh, one of my weekly must-listens. And you know what's funny about the random generator? We have uh, mostly five-star reviews. Nason gave us a four-star review, so this is not fixed at all. Because <laughs> we would have picked somebody that gave us a five-star review. But let's, uh, let's hats off to Nason. Nason says, I first heard of Joe and Robert when I attended the Content Marketing World event a few years ago and stumbled upon their podcast earlier in 2014. As someone into content, it's a fast listen and a show that always elicits taking down a few reminder notes. Not easy when you're in the car. If you're into content marketing and want to understand how this stuff actually works, this is a very easy entry point. I also think a drinking game can be built around it too. When Joe laughs or when Robert says fantastic or when David <laughs> native advertising comes up. I mean, how can you beat that? That is fantastic. What a, what a fantastic <laughs> review, Nason. Thank you, sir. I like the drinking I hope game. to hear from you soon. If we don't hear from you, well, I'll make sure I reach out to you. But go ahead and send us an email at thisoldmarketingatcontentinstitute.com and we'll take care of that. So thank you to everyone who gave wonderful Absolutely. reviews. Thank you for that. Super helpful. And please keep them coming. All right. All right. All right. Well, we are in New York. And uh, are. we are in New York for a fun marketing, content marketing workshop tomorrow. And then uh, where do you go from here? Uh, basically, uh, we are on, I mean, you know that, uh, that on, on Tuesday, uh, they're having a little award party. I heard some, I heard some rumors of this, yeah. I heard some, so I, I, I'm very honored to get an award from the Content Council. Uh, it's a Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, which... I feel like maybe I'll retire now that I've done 52 podcasts and I get a, an achievement award. I'm not sure why they chose me, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> they did. It's a great honor. I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm actually uh, still working on the speech for it, and uh, and then after that, uh, I've got a I've got a couple uh, local area uh, speeches and workshops that I have to do. Uh, I've got a few big B2B companies that I'll be into in the next uh, in the next two weeks before we head to our last workshop in, in San Francisco. That is wonderful. How about yourself? Where are you going? Well, uh, since we're now kind of complete here uh, in the lovely New York uh, workshop arena, um, I actually am here for the remainder of the week with uh, meeting with some clients, 
Um, and then having a bit of a, a, a nice weekend with the wife there. She's coming in. We're having a nice weekend here in New York. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, and then I'm off to Sweden, actually. I'm off to uh, Sweden. Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, where I know you've been. And- I have. It's a beautiful <clears throat> city. Absolutely. I'm very beautiful. much looking forward they to it. say it's the cultural mecca of Sweden. There you go. And, and, and I haven't been to the other big city there, All right, so, so I, I'll just take them at their word. I, I, I'm looking forward to it very much, and I'm, I'm doing a workshop there and a keynote at, uh, at, a, uh, at a conference held by an agency there called Content, K-N-T-N-T, um, and there's some wonderful folks there that we that you and I both know, yep. and uh, I'm very much looking for And then I'm off the road. I'm off the road until San Francisco, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the holidays and really just spending some quality time at home. Well, congratulations on 52 Absolutely. episodes. Congratulations to you. It's too. been a fun, fun ride, Absolutely. and here's to, here's to 52 more. Absolutely. That is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We're signing off. And, you know, tweet us up. You never know. Please do give us other reviews. If you haven't reviewed the show yet, let us know. Let us know what you like. Let us know that the drinking games you're creating with the word fantastic. And if you've got a question, send us to thisoldmarketingatcontentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode, our one-year anniversary, number 52, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All those links are in the show notes, available at thisoldmarketing.com. Be sure to tune in next week. It's going to be our episode number one of year number two. <laughs> Remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Well, we'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.